0: On this week's Devils in the Details, we're back. And we're back with an attempt to discern the approach United are deploying over the last few weeks and why they might be doing this. As well, where do recent results even leave United in all competitions? Is there still a chance of reaching the goals that were set at the start of the season? Right, case before we get into this i want to quickly explain our absence over the last few weeks i mean united haven't been great which has made it easier not to miss this um the fact that we love recording this and we haven't really gotten to but the truth is i think the main reason why we haven't been recording is because of me i've been a- quite sick i've had quite a few personal things going on and i've been unable to do things other than the bare minimum of what i've had to do to get by and my day-to-day responsibilities. So I'm happy to say I'm finally getting better, which means we've scheduled this recording time and we're going again. Um, And Case, how have you been?
1: I've been all right. I've been been pretty good. Uh, Obviously, United could be doing more for me, but uh, on balance, things are all right. Things are okay. Um, I'm glad to hear you're doing better because I know you were really
0: under the weather for a while there. It it was a whole thing, but yeah, I think the worst of it is over and now I'm just looking forward to being able to do things like I think when you're I think often it gets easy when you're a really busy person to complain about everything that you have to do in a given day. And then when you're sick and you can't do those things, you begin to be like, Oh man, I wish I was better so I could do all the things that I was looking forward to doing. Um, so in some ways, it's like the grass is always greener, but in other ways, I guess it just gives me a little bit more appreciation for my own ability to actually be in the places I get to be and do the things I get to do. So, yeah, I'm glad I'm doing better and we can do this. Um, not that I can watch the United Games. I was able to do that even when I was sick, and some might argue it made me even more sick. Um, Certainly made me sick. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I think we're going to spare you guys of a game by game breakdown of where United went wrong in these. Matches. I think I think we I, should touch on. We should just say which games we're like we're talking about, though.
1: We should just like yeah. We've missed seven matches. We haven't like it's been seven matches since the last time we talked.
0: It's been a seven match run, um, in which United have played. To give you guys a recap here, um, I believe we last record af- recorded after Brentford, which was the last international break. So we have since seen a 2-1 win over Sheffield United with Dalo scoring the long-range goal. Um, the 1-0 win against Copenhagen. I actually missed that one, but Maguire scored the winner. Onana saved a penalty. Um, then the 3-0 loss in the Derby. Uh, the 3-0 loss against Newcastle, um, which saw United eliminated from the League Cup. Uh, a 1-0 win over Fulham. The 4-3 loss to Copenhagen, where Rashford was sent off this earlier this week. And then the one nil win over Luton this weekend um, in which it was Lindelof who grabbed the winner from a corner, I believe. It was kind of from a corner. Yeah, it was the
1: the it was a rebound from an, like a, yeah. a a following sequence from a corner. Um, yeah. So there's so much to talk about here. Um, you said you want to kind of talk about more of the broad strokes, though. So is there something in particular you want to you want to start with?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there there have been a lot of ups and downs in this run. Obviously, losing 3-0 to City isn't great. Um, The Newcastle match was awful. And then the Copenhagen match was all kinds of weird. Um, And then the wins have been split between these kind of um, struggling displays where United had a few moments, I think, of really good quality that got them over the line. And today's match against Luton, which I actually thought United were very much deserving of the win and could have won by a greater margin, um, so overall, not a run of seven matches or seven performances that you expect from a United team. And I think that focusing on the overall performances instead of the individual craziness that has gone on in these games might be more valuable for our listeners at this point. Um, and I mean, the first two things I've written here under my list are why God, why? And I don't enjoy being a football fan. So I'll start with number three, which is, um, why do you think the approach has been or what do you think the approach has been over the last few weeks, and maybe why do you think that's been the approach from Ten Hog, both in terms of team selections and what you think United are trying to do on the pitch because i don 't think I think often when teams play badly, the approach is less clear to people, but i don 't think that means there isn't one um, and so do you think there has been a clear approach from United to you, and what has it been
1: yeah, I do think there has been a clear approach um... That's not to say that I endorse the approach, but I think when you look at uh, sort of Erickson and McTominay have been pretty much mainstays in the side during that period. Casemiro, when he's been available, has gotten onto the pitch as well. Uh, but really, Erickson and McTominay, Fernandez uh, have been the midfield three. I think Erickson is on the pitch simply because uh, we've had a lot of trouble all season playing incisively, and Erickson does allow you to play incisively. Um McTominay I think is on the pitch because we've had a ton of trouble with box threat uh just have not gotten the box threat uh and the goals in particular from our wingers that I think we were expecting to uh and so what you've wound up with is Ericsson sort of as the deepest midfielder in possession with McTominay pushed up and Bruno playing sort of an in-between role um yeah that's, that's I think the the broad strokes however even with Erickson on the pitch we haven't been playing incisively we've There's really been a heavy focus on wing play, even more so than last year, um, and a lot of speculative crossing into the box. Yeah, I I think really that's what's underlined this approach has been a a lot of crossing Um, and a lot of crossing, not necessarily from good crossing positions, not necessarily from advantageous game states, um, and and a lot of squandering in in threatening uh, spaces. Yeah, and, and and then obviously I don't think the out of possession approach has changed drastically. I definitely think because of the change in in possession approach, United have suffered in terms of their ability to sort of dominate territory, and as a result, the out of possession approach becomes more passive. Consequentially, that that, that that's that's the those are the broad
0: strokes of where I think we're at. You you did very well there, honestly. I mean, you first went with the midfield selection, which I think has been the key contentious decision going on. I mean, obviously there's stuff going on with Rafa Varane, um, and he's not been playing, but I think I would boil that more down to a best personnel decision, whereas the midfield decision feels very tactical um, in terms of its impacts on the team. And then you talked about the attacking displays and how United look to attack, and then you talked a little bit about out of possession its consequences, and I think that's a really good way of approaching where United have had... Um, clear approaches in these seven games and where they've had issues in these seven games. So I'll start with the midfield. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think there are a few possible explanations for why Ericsson and McTominay are playing over uh, some of the new signings that have come in. Amrabat, Mount, recently Kabi Mainu's been on the bench. We've seen a bit of Hannibal on the bench and a couple of cameos from him. Um, One possible explanation to me is, like you said, an attacking angle. I think Ericsson brings a really obvious... Um, given his career, uh, sort of incisive passing threat um, and creative passing threat from really deep. Um, And then I think McTominay has been the box crashing or box presence player. He's had one or two, I'd say, chances in every game, and he has scored a couple goals. Um, Another two reasons that I personally had down were um, the possibility that he wants continuity from last season in the face of struggling to tac- tactically implement anything new um, that maybe he feels Erickson and McTominay have been around longer and also that they've been more available than Amrabat and Mount this season. And so he feels that he can get a little bit more consistency and a little bit more of a reset to last season when United were, I'd say, tactically a lot more secure than this season. And by playing these players, he can get them back to a restore point. Um, that's not to say I agree with that decision, but those were kind of the logical rationales I was able to come up with for why Ten Hag might be doing this.
1: Yeah. So agreed on your assessment of Ericsson. McTominay, I think for me, this is still tougher. I, I obviously, I, I understand Conceptually, why he's doing it. However, he's not actually. You just you just said McTominay uh, has been getting a couple chances a game. He actually hasn't. It. Like he's he's had, he has point eight non penalty expected goals in the Premier League this season, and he has three goals. And most of the expected goals that he has are from that uh, the goals he scored in added time uh, to win the match. I think it was against Brentford. Brentford. Um, so no, he, he really isn't providing box threat. That's just. It's simply not happening, um, and with that in mind, I really think he's compromising your ability to, pen- to to progress and penetrate centrally. I don't think he's adding that much out of possession, besides maybe fortifying us at set pieces, which we have been better, uh, a little bit better at set pieces recently. Um, yeah, th- this is just—it's a huge head scratcher for me. But I don't know. I, I don't want to just keep. I don't want to turn him into the like into the whipping boy because. There He's are, not there the are, main problem yeah, here. it's not I don't the think. main problem. I mean, I think maybe the main problem is like the selection decisions is one of the main problems. Um, maybe that's, yeah. this is a part of it, but I I don't, I think it's totally, it would be totally disingenuous to say McTominay is the reason United are losing these matches.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think you're totally right about the goal threat. And I think United as a team would have more goal threat with Mason Mount in the side than with McTominay. And I also think that the decision is even more contentious, A, because you've signed Mason Mount for 60 million pounds. B, because I think the gap in quality between Mason Mount and Scott McTominay, both in actual performances we've seen and in theoretical player ability, is much larger than the gap between Ericsson and Sofiane Um Ericsson has struggled with mobility, but I don't know if that's been like a primary thing United have paid for in some of these matches. It's definitely a problem when you go and play Manchester City, or you go and play a team like Brentford who's going to press you high, or, you know these more athletic, um, defensively challenging, or sides that challenge United's defense. Um, but I don't know if it really comes up as much in games against, like, you know, the first hour against Sheffield United, um, as much as I think it would be better to have a player who's more athletic. I don't think that would be, like, the number one problem I would cite for United in those matches. Um, yeah, and, I, and I, so I was just going to say, I also
1: wonder... How much of this midfield selection is dictated by the fact that a lot of, I mean, the players who are on the bench, Hannibal, um, Amrabat, and then obviously Casemiro injured. But I wonder if McTominay and Eriksen are getting in the game because there's a perception that they're, they're a little bit more wily, less rash. Um, because I do think... Hannibal and Amrabat in particular have gotten themselves in some really dangerous positions, jumping out, fouling fouling a lot. Mount has also fouled uh, quite a bit, at least by my eye. I haven't looked at the numbers. Um, So I do wonder, because that's something I noticed in particular against Newcastle. There was just no control of emotion, it felt like to me. There was a lot of just like nipping at people's heels unnecessarily, turning the out-of-possession approach into something that it's not meant to be, which is you know, sort of like heavy metal, high risk. And so I kind of, I wonder about that Uh, because though Erickson obviously I think kind of like it's not tenable to field him every week because of his physical limitations. He is a lot more reserved in his behavior
0: out of possession, which maybe that's part of this. I don't know. Um, Yeah. The Newcastle one's really interesting because United went with Hannibal, Casemiro and Mount in midfield and I think what I saw immediately was the first line of pressing was way better than the Manchester Derby. Um, you had Garnacho and Antony on the wings as well, I think. And then it was in the Manchester Derby you had Rashford, Bruno, um, Ericsson, McTominay, and
1: yeah. I mean, we just we we got dog
0: walked in that match,
1: and I think against Newcastle we were more
0: competitive to start the game. To start uh, the game. And then I think when they bypassed that first line, that's when you started to see all those defensive errors. Yeah. Casimir was all over the place. Hannibal was all over the place. Um, Mount was not as influential as I'd have liked him to be. And then some of the back four... Yeah, not, I would, I would say I that was one of...
1: I think that was one of Mount's worst, worst matches. Um, yeah. It, when he's played this season. Um, did not cover himself in glory. Yeah, I think my, my bottom line on the midfield selection is I get why Ericsson is playing. I conceptually understand why McDominie is playing, I still think it is a huge mistake. I I'm not gonna say playing Erickson is a huge mistake because there he has had an effect on matches that is like undeniable. But you still need to move toward an approach that isn't this. Because this this is not going to get you top four football the way we're playing right now. Um and I don't mean just like the way we're executing, I mean like the
0: the way we're going about things. It's a lot of speculation and build-up, I think. Um, I don't think the build-up has come along this season is the nicest way to say it. Um, And I I don't think um, the final third play has really come along. Um, And the out-of-possession game has been wildly erratic. Um, I would say the final third play has regressed. The final third play is really bad. Um, We'll get on to that in a second. I think... The bottom line on the midfield selection for me is two things, right? The first is that I personally disagree with it. I would not play McTominay, um, but I don't really want to particularly go into that again. I think I, think we're I done don't with think. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would play Ericsson. I'd be exploring how you can get Amrabat and Mainu playing at the level yeah. you want to be playing. Um, but what this really comes down to is okay, let's say you can assemble, if you're the coaching staff, an argument that you're better off in the short term with Eriksson and McTominay. I think where I'm at with this team is I still wouldn't do it because you need to be looking at how you are going to get this team in the long term to be a top four team. And the compromises that you might be making in the short term might be okay. me let, let a little me, bit on the let let me play board, devil's ad, Let me play devil's advocate, though. Yeah, let's say you do the other thing, lose five matches. Yeah,
1: but like also... We're on twenty one points right now. You beat if you, theoretically, if you beat Everton, if you beat just the teams that you're supposed to beat between now and January, um, you're fine. Yeah, you're like six or seventh, and you're, you're like five points you're, off top four. And then you get like sure. Martinez and Shaw back. Um, I think though, and then, there's and a then, couple and of, then I think you, then I think things change a little bit because you can start building up differently. Like I, I do think we probably have like when Martinez went down we probably did not appreciate properly how negatively that was going to affect our ability to build up. Um, because the the buildup has gotten really,
0: you know, uh,
1: hollowed out. Uh, it's super non-inclusive
0: now. Last season, for what it's worth, when you weren't playing a high-pressing opposition, Martinez was getting the ball through to a player like Erickson, and then a player like Erickson was reliably playing it into the final third. I would say in, in most matches last year. Um, it, it got a little worse against... Teams that were trying to press out, players like De Gea, um, Varane, wan Wambasaka, a little bit. Um, but broadly, when teams allowed United to play out of the back, United were able to play out of the back. Whereas this season, it feels like they're still not, even when teams don't really press that high. And that definitely comes down to Martinez and Shaw being out.
1: Yeah, in part, at the very least. Um, but I but I also think it, it's down to, you know, if you played Mount, Amrabat, Mainu... In some combination, I think United would be able to play th- through central areas a lot more easily. Um, would there be consequences that I'm not appreciating? Perhaps. Uh, but if like you're going to lament that and you're going to be like, "Oh, we don't have, like we don't have the tools to play we want to how we want to play," I would like to see us use the tools that give us the ability to maybe do that. Um, at least in these bigger matches, like. The Everton match, whatever do we, do whatever you have to do to to go win that. Um, but I think we have Liverpool, we have um, Newcastle in the league. We have uh, we have one more, I think, very big fixture in December. Um, in those matches, I, I want to see, I want to see Amrabat play. I want to see Mount play. I want to see Maynou play because, like, we know what the deficiency is. Um and like if you're if you're not gonna try to go dictate the match or play through or have some degree of control, you've already lost like you're not like we are not winning like we are not winning these matches without that
0: yeah, and that's where I was gonna go I know you were playing devil's advocate, but i mean i I know that that's where I was gonna go with the uh premise of you know just get to January when you get players back and then we can implement something more concrete. Um, The two main issues I see with that approach are, A, you're assuming those players are going to come back, be straight into the team, and then they're going to be around for the rest of the season, which is far from guaranteed at this point. I mean, we've seen Luke Shaw have seasons where he's just ruled out with fitness issues, and I don't think it's wise to assume that you're always going to have the players you want available to implement a particular style of play. Um, and I don't necessarily think that this problem mainly goes down to Ten Hag, right? It goes down to years of poor recruitment where United just have a lot of players that should not be playing for Manchester United um, under Eric Ten Hag because they were recruited before he joined with principles that are not great. And some even after he joined.
1: I was going to say um, like yes and no. I mean, He signed
0: Casemiro and He signed NFL Casemiro, League, exactly. So. Like,
1: like, for me... The decision to continue to use Casemiro is unbelievable. Like, I don't know what... I know they must be re-watching these matches, and it, it, it astonishes me that they are re-watching these matches and not identifying his performance as a problem. Now, obviously, he hasn't been involved in some of the more cat- catastrophic matches we've had recently. So, obviously, he doesn't bear all of the blame, but he's not a positive contributor anymore. Um, and so I don't get why he plays. And then Anthony who's been worse than he was last season and even last season his his value was at best like tactical <laughs> um yeah i i don't know i for me i ask questions of his player preferences now which is really concerning um and then beyond that i also i, I also think he bears uh, some of the blame tactically a lot, a lot of the blame tactically because i think this press it's ridiculous that we're this far in and this press still looks the way it does where there's just huge gaps on the wings and there doesn't really seem to be like a some movement towards addressing that I just I personally I think this press is just in fact too narrow and if you look at like the other major sides they go out and press in, in a 442 rather than this sort of hybridized like 433 where we push up the wingers and then leave space um, yeah I I've, 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 I've got I've got questions all over the place now about the manager, which that's really what's like dreary and 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 upsetting for me. I agree with all that.
0: I think going I yeah, tactically I I don't disagree with you. I I think going back to his personnel decisions. My point was not so much that he's made good personnel decisions, more that I think his personnel decisions firstly, are a function of a squad that is dysfunctional. Um, It hasn't really been recruited in a particular image. Um, And then secondly, I still think that... I've lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. If you have a dysfunctional squad, and then you have certain elements of that squad that you're waiting for in order to implement a style, that's going to lead to a level of short-termism that is clouded in an illusion that you're ever going to have perfect circumstances because it's a it's a sport. It's not like a static sheet of paper that you can just go everyone's going to be fit and then we're going to implement a style and then everything's going to be fine and then we're going to win all these games. How because dysfunctional You're is, always going to have players missing.
1: I take your point, but how dysfunctional is this squad really? Because to me I still see a ton so that's of really good players. Thing. I I still see a lot of good players.
0: So that's the second thing, right? I think once you take that into account you're not like nine out of your in my opinion nine out of United's starting 11 has been fit um regardless i'm not sure i have a definitive starting 11 but if you're going to pick them and you're going to pick a starting 11 from this united squad the only players who are unfit who i would choose are luke shaw and lissandra martinez um and that's two out of 11 that's not like an abnormal situation for a football team to be in and so now you have 9 out of your 11 players and you have to choose between you know making these compromises because your two key defensive build-up players are out um, or trying to implement something that will work regardless of whether those two players are absent. And you go two months and you know what? You're right. It's 21 points from 12 games. The results are not bad. There's every chance you go into Christmas with 30 points. But I think United are relatively fortunate to have won all of these games against these small teams to be at 21 points. And I also think they're two months shorter on time to implement something that can be useful, um, that can be contributory to the quality of performances in the new year by playing this different style if they've decided to adapt and throw out the possession ideas until those players are back. Like I don't, I think you've lost this amount of time that you would have had to implement something that could be better than what they're doing now. Um, Even if what they're doing now is a means to get to January. So even if that's the angle, I think I can say I understand that angle. I still don't agree with it. I still think at some point you have to go, I'm either building this team to play a certain way and we're going to play that way and we're going to drill it because if you don't drill your principles as hard as the other teams that are in the premier league right now that are drilling their principles every single game your principles are never going to be as effective as theirs because they've drilled them more they've played them more they've executed them more at some point you just have to you just have to drill it down and go we're going to play this way and it's going to be a bit brutal once in a while because we don't have some players but it's going to have to be Because this is how we're going to get more results than the teams around us and how we're going to consistently be a challenging team. And if you never do that, if you always compromise, you're always going to be middling around the top four fight. You're never going to actually get up there.
1: Yeah, agreed with that. I think that kind of takes us nicely into a discussion of like the Champions League. Because I think where United are at in the Champions League is just absolutely, totally unacceptable. I've said this before. Like, I said this one when Ali was in charge. We didn't have a podcast then, but... At the time I said it, there is no, there is no excuse to not get out of your Champions League group as Man United. There is no excuse. Like, doesn't matter how bad the injuries are. Doesn't, like, it doesn't, yeah, especially this group. Like, doesn't matter how bad the injuries are. It doesn't matter how unlucky you get. There is no excuse not to get out of your Champions League group. United are almost certainly not going to get out of their Champions League group. Unless they win both of these matches, which, you know what? Crazier things have happened. This team is bizarre, so I wouldn't be surprised. They could if they actually did that get out with a win and a draw. Can they get out with a win and a draw? Oh yeah, they could have seven points.
0: Yeah, that's if crazy. Beat, that's, if, if they beat Galatasaray and, and then draw, draw Bayern, with Bayern, and then um, and then in if, fact, even if they lose to Bayern, if they beat Galatasaray and then Galatasaray and Copenhagen are both on four, if they draw each other, then United you know, you can get away with six points. It's pretty <laughs> absurd. <laughs> that's insane.
1: That's insane. But anyway. Point being, you need things to break your way now um, to get out of this group, which is pathetic. It's completely pathetic. You had it in hand. Um, I realize the red card on Rashford is unlucky. Um, The penalty call against Maguire is unlucky in those matches against Copenhagen. Um, But you're up 2-0 going into half, basically. I get that you go down a man, but it's Copenhagen. Like, I'm sorry. I know they've played well in these Champions League matches. This is, not, this is not a side that has any right to come take it to you and put even two goals past you. Forget four. So, like, I think for me, that yeah. also comes down to, like, I do think there's a mentality problem now. And, I, I, you know, I'm the last person to start talking about mentality. I do think this team crumbles um, far more easily than it, than it should because there's a lot of I I do believe there is a lot of talent in this team. There's also some not so talented players, but there's a lot of talent. There's enough talent to see out, you know, 55 minutes of football against a Danish side when you're already you're up 2-0 no you know, lead. Yeah. Like and and like, we you just know they're going to crumble. When anything any adversity when they're confronted with any adversity like this team is just it's building up. And, I, and I, you know what? Part of this is the vibe, right? Like you can't, it's really hard to, to maintain mental strength and persevere when so many things have gone against you. And I do think a lot of st- stuff has gone against this team this season. Um, and so you start to, you know, get in your own head, but there's also like, you can control some things. And I feel like, th- like this team is just mentally on zero right now. Like running on fumes, which is upsetting to see, and I don't, I don't really know how you fix that. That's not my like space, but it's, I mean, the it seems answer like is to
0: go win a big game by accident. Yeah, and
1: then, I, I agree. But like, I, I have been thinking about this. Like, if that Garnacho goal st- stood against Arsenal, how different would the season be? Like, I, I do think it would be pretty different.
0: All right, we had a bit of a cutout there, so in case this doesn't directly pick up from where we left off, I'm leaving this in here just so you know what happened. Um, Yeah, I, I don't disagree about the mentality stuff. I just don't really think it's a good topic of conversation for us on this podcast. Uh, which is why I tend to steer clear of it. I agree with you. I just
1: think, like, at this point, it needs to be touched on to some extent.
0: It does need to be touched on as much as I think you have, and I think you said it well, but, yeah, I just don't really have anything to add. So I think in terms of the approach, it's fair to say that we could come up with an explanation for the approach. There is an approach and that we don't agree with the approach. Um, Let's talk a little bit about why the attack has gotten worse. Um uh, because I think we both again agreed on that. United have what thirteen goals in twelve games. Yeah.
1: I think I think a little bit more XG. In the Premier I League. Think it's like something like sixteen XG maybe.
0: Yeah, it's bad. It's yeah, bad. 15. United need to be putting up way more than that. Yeah. Um and there's a couple of reasons for this. I'm gonna start with the most obvious and I wanna lead into some of the other some of the like possession decision making in the final third stuff a bit later because I think that contributes a lot to the out of possession issues. Um but in terms of personnel quality, how much better do you think this team would be if you just like stuck an elite attacker in the front of it? A
1: bit. Like we'd score a lot more goals. Um, so I guess a lot, but <laughs> yeah a lot a lot like a lot <laughs> um okay yeah i mean rashford has just like not been very good this season garnacho i think has been fine um when he's played but i don't know these just aren't great attackers hoyland i think is very good he's been very good recently um but he's still not like an elite player
0: independent of form, like, the shots aren't going in for Hoyland, and Rashford's not doing well. I mean, they're going in the Champions League, he's
1: got five goals in (laughs) in four matches now.
0: Hoyland has not scored in a United point. Yeah. Like, he scored five, United lost every game. Um, Yeah, I think your good attackers here are good, and your not good attackers are, like, bottom half Premier League attackers. And I think What that means is that a lot of the good situations and and positions that United get into are just not being converted at the rate that other teams are converting them. Um, Other teams around United in the table, if they're in sixth, you're looking at your, you know, looking up your Liverpools, your cities, Spurs, Arsenal. Their attackers are converting these situations into chances um at a more efficient rate and you know there's some systematic components to that like they obviously all have tactical principles that lead to creating chances but a lot of it really is if you have better players you're going to create better chances and
1: I, i also i would add this though i do think a big part of the creation issue has been A territory issue, like United just haven't had the ball in the final third. Like I think that's actually been a bigger issue than we'll get onto that next because it has been.
0: I wanted to start with this. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, United's attackers, but like United's attackers aren't elite, but they are better than what they've done this season.
0: Yeah, yep. I think I think Rashford and Hoyland are legitimately good Premier League attackers. I think Bruno is a top end Premier League attacking midfielder. I think um, you have a couple of other players who, at their best, can contribute to the team. Um, Garnacho being the name that you brought yeah, up. Yeah, I think Garnacho here. is straight up
1: a good player.
0: For his age, I think he's very good. Yeah, I think he's excellent I, for his age. At, at Premier League level right now, I think he's fine as a starter. Um, yeah. I don't think fine gets you Champions League football at the end of the season. No, I think I agree with um, that. But that's not that, that shouldn't be his burden. I just, you know, he's not the player I'm going to cite as making the difference between, you know, a half decent team and a good team. Yeah. Um so I think that leaves you in a difficult spot because I don't know, it's just I think in games like today's against Luton, I think a lot of people are expecting United to like blow the barn door down. And I don't think that's really going to happen with this team. Um, Even when they do have a lot more possession and territory, I'm not, this is not an excuse for United having, you know, 13 goals in 12 games um, because they should have close to 20 probably. Um, But, you know, you know, you can't, I don't think you're ever going to see, you know, Rashford and Hoyland on 20 each in the Premier League and, you know the others trailing with like eight to twelve as solid squad players. I think what you have right now is Rashford and Hoyland are going to give you like fifteen.
1: I don't think Rashford is giving you fifteen this season. I, I, I think he's it's, not going to. I think it's fin- an outlier. Neither of
0: them are going to get fifteen this yeah. season. I, now, I think
1: in particular, I think Hoyland might, but I think in particular, I think it's an outlier when Rashford hits that number. Like, I don't think Rashford's true talent level is a fifteen goal a season, non penalty goal a season in the league. Uh Winger. if he plays
0: every game in a good team i think it could be but you that's not the like expectation. that's not but you don't
1: so, so it's not yeah the point. yeah i i yeah i think that's basically where i'm at but i don't think the key problem is that i think you can score a ton of goals with these
0: attackers i
1: think you can no so
0: yeah so now <laughs> now you put that aside where is this going wrong i think i want to dedicate a section to you know we haven't revisited the rest defense since we did that episode with John um and there've been there's been a lot of talk about rest defensive issues and we maybe should revisit this tactically before I say this but i suspect that the problem doesn't lie in the rest defense it lies in the positions in which united consistently give away the ball yes um you talked about Garnacho there i think Garnacho has largely been a positive defensive player for united But there have been situations where United set up in an attacking configuration, um, the fullback overlaps. Garnacho is therefore one of the further back players among United's outfielders, and he gives away the ball in a silly position. And then the other team are all guns blazing on the counter. And that's not a rest defensive issue. That's a you cannot give the ball away in that position ever, ever, ever issue. City and Arsenal don't make those mistakes. And if they do, it's like once a game or once every two or three games and they mop it up or it ends up in a goal because that's a big mistake at this level. But if you give, if you do those, like giving away the ball in the final third when you are one of the rest defensive um, members frequently, you're going to ship tons of chances and tons of goals in the Premier League no matter who you play against. Every team can attack you in transition in this league.
1: Yeah, so I broadly agree with you. I do think think a big, big part of the defensive issues have been actually in-possession issues, and in particular, wasteful decision-making in dangerous spots. However, I wouldn't say with as much confidence as you are saying that it's not a rest defense issue. Um, I think... Just because I would like to go back and see some of the, because you know sometimes these decisions are made and yeah. poor
0: decisions. Well, I did disclaim this with we have not done the tape yeah. on rest defense. So.
1: But, like, but I, I kind of just want to go a little bit more in depth there because, like, yes, uh, the decision making is definitely an aspect of this. Um, however, also. Um, I think there's a chance that, in a lot of these instances, it's a bad decision. And then there's also some, you know, unneeded exposure uh, to some extent. But I, 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 we need to look at the, at the tape first to, to really make that assessment, I think. Uh, yeah,
0: if there is a rest offensive issue, if I were to speculate, I would suggest that it's probably coming from the second midfielder um, in the three. Like, you always have one midfielder back, and then the second midfielder has to be strategically placed. And I think that might be where it's coming from. But I'm not sure. So, yeah, maybe we'll do a tape session on that. But I don't think right now it's, like, a major, major thing. I think the big thing here is giving the ball away. It's both hurting you in attack and defense. Because, A, you're giving the opposition... If you give the ball away in bad positions, and even sometimes if you give it away in good positions, you're giving the opposition a chance to get out, which is seeding territory, um, which seeds chances and also seeds your potential to create chances, because the more time you spend in the final third, the more time you have to create chances, unless you're manufacturing transition scenarios. Um, You are ruining your possessions because you're giving away better opportunities to create chances. And I think when you don't do those things, when you have players who have less technical deficiencies, when you have players who make better decisions, you end up in more chance-creating scenarios and you end up in fewer chance concession scenarios, um, and I think that's been a big, big, big problem for United this season. Like I, I can't overstate how big I think this is a problem. Um, I think we've seen. I think today a big reason why it was better against Luton is because a lot of the players who were on the pitch were better. Um, I think you saw. I mean, I think a lot. I think of Luton is really bad. Possession. Well, I also think Luton they are also really very bad. It's just like a an island of
1: misfit toys. Like the players on the scene: Andros Townsend, Ross, Barkley, Tahith Chong. Like that is just like a like what? I don't I, I don't <laughs> understand how this is a Premier League side. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, they've cle- they clearly earned promotion for the championship, and then didn't have enough budget to sustain a Premier League. This is yeah. This is relegation I have, fight. Whenever well, I,
1: whenever I say this about a team, like this team is so bad, it's not like a. I don't – it's not a value judgment of the club or anything like that. It's just, like, objectively, this is not a good set of players playing well.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't disagree, but I do think that United have played some other really poor sides and looked worse this season. Like, I think the Sheffield United and Burnley games come to mind. Yeah, but I don't think those sides really are, are as well.
1: bad as Luton are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I – like, yeah, yeah. Uh, though I take, I'm your curious point.
0: to see the stats fr- from their draw against Liverpool last week. But I think that's that's besides the point. Yeah. Um, Just I, I want to throw
1: something in, kind of random. Uh, United have conceded six penalties in all competitions this season, which is an insanely high number.
0: And then if you go stop giving away penalties, I think three have been from handball. There was a there was one from McTominay. There was one from um, in this game against Copenhagen. Right? McGuire. Wasn't there one against Shaw? there well, was there one against Shaw.
1: There was I uh, no, I have to go look. Now I have to go look. There I'm was definitely one
0: against um against Bayern. That was uh Christian Eriksen. Oh, you're right. That's I mean that's the one I was thinking of. So I, yeah, there were those three. Then there was Casemiro's foul in the Galatasaray match. There was um Manchester City. This is this is ridiculously unlucky. Like there are like United's players are not I mean, to... get the ball out of your box part is part of it, right? Yeah. Like, don't yeah, spend the yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. time... So, like, when you cede so much territory, the ball spends more time in, its bot, in your box, and these things happen.
0: However... There are teams that get relegated that don't concede six penalties in, like, 15 games, so...
1: While I think there's... I have really big issues with managerial decisions, player performance, uh, etc., I do think, on balance, this team has been unlucky. Um,
0: oh, City was not handball, by the way. It was a shirt pull from Hoyland.
1: Oh, yeah. But that was also a goofy one. That, also like kind uh, of like it just a, uh, Yeah, it's, it's a
0: it's a bad. That was actually a bad call, in my opinion, even though I don't think it changes the result at all. The The thing with these calls is, like, it's not... I'm not here to dispute the calls and say, like, United shouldn't have had this, and they've been done unjustly by VAR. But these calls are not given every game. Like, they're not consistently given every single time they happen and so let's say they're given you know in theory I'll make up a number 50% of the time they happen Um, if you do these things once and you get given a penalty or you do them 10 times and seven penalties get given for them across a season that's really unlucky you probably should have only conceded five or the average team would probably only concede five and that's completely out of your control. That's just officiating error, um, or imperfection. And I'm not saying there's a controversy, here, but United have just tended to be on the bad side of those this season.
1: Yeah, well put. I think none of none of which is to
0: make excuses.
1: I I tweeted after the first at halftime of the first Copenhagen match when United were drawing nil nil and and uh, playing quite quite poorly that. If United didn't go on to win the game handedly, I thought it would be justified for the manager to be sacked. Um, I, I still think, on balance, if they were to sack him, it would be justified. I don't think it would necessarily... I, in fact, I don't think it would be the right decision. I think it would be the wrong decision. But, I think it would be justified. Just given... I, I think this has been all been navigated really poorly.
0: Yeah. I think sacking him at this point feels like It wouldn't make sense right now. a punishment no, for bad decisions as opposed to a constructive make this team better decision. There's a few reasons for saying that. One, I don't really think you're going to make a long-term change in November of uh, the no, current season. No,
1: just 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 to be clear. That was not me saying they should sack him. No, I know, level. I know. I know. I'm just, I was just saying, I'm just like, adding to it. Yeah. If we'd recorded this a week ago or 2 weeks ago, I would have said this. So I feel like it's worth visiting. Um his his job security but yeah go ahead
0: yeah no so yeah firstly i don't think you're going to implement something meaningful in november i don't think there are like any unicorn coaches available that you're going to go get from here it's not like pep is unemployed um number two i don't necessarily think you're going to implement anything given the players that are still out i know i I know we just did the whole thing about how you don't need all 11 players to implement things but i don't i really think it's unlikely that united are going to go sack ten hog hire another coach and then suddenly be playing like fluid no possession certainly football. not
1: that's why i say i think it would be a mistake um, to fire him.
0: yeah and then number three is that i think united are at a point off the field where they're navigating um a massive change in the board and a massive change in ownership and i don't think it makes sense if the rumors are true that some kind of takeover is going to happen in the near future. I don't think it makes sense to go sack your manager, hire a new manager, and then someone else buys the club and comes in and evaluates the manager that's been there for one month. Um, I think if you're going to replace Dunn you do it when you replace everybody else, essentially.
1: Yeah, agreed on that. The only reason I said it was I think now he clearly... bears quite a bit of blame and also has some glaring deficiencies in his approach um, that he could still amend, uh, you know, possibly, but I no longer... I mean, I, I just think... the I, Bottom line, I think the whole thing with the Champions League is just so unacceptable. And I've said this before. I said this, you know, when... Uh, United didn't get out of the group stages uh, the year that they lost to Leipzig. Um,
0: 2020-2021.
1: That's a sackable offense. Like, that is just totally unacceptable. You can't... Those results... Like, you, you do have to have some level of, like... We are Man United. The performances we were win. also on exactly. Tenable, though. Exactly, yes. Like, if like,
0: they played well, if they played incredibly, had 30 shots every game, and lost all six, and then they went out, we wouldn't be You sanders. can have a different conversation, yeah. But, like, when you get dog-walked by sides that are not better than you,
1: in terms of talent, in terms of, like, what they showed last season, that's unacceptable. Like, it's, it's just, like, you have to... There has to be something that is unacceptable. You have to have... You have, you have to have triggers for these decisions, and I do think, for me, that is a trigger. Now, taking it all on balance, I still wouldn't make that decision, but I would think it would be justified, or at least justifiable. And so that's why I say
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. I think at this point, I have some level of belief that Ten Hog could coach a very good United team. Um, I think he coached an Ajax team that was at a level that, if you got United to that level with the personnel that United have, combining with the tactical level that that Ajax team were at, I think United would be incredible. Absolutely. I question the approach he's taking to get there. I agree with that. And whether there will be too many roadblocks for United to ever get to that point. Um, And I think at that point, if you get there, you're going to have if you do sack ten hag you're going to be looking at a sort of um imperfect field of assigning blame right because there are going to be some reasons there are going to be there clearly have been decisions that ten hag made like i said some of the compromises that united have taken are definitely potential reasons why they're not as good as they could be long term um why they're not as good now as they could be if they had maybe made some sacrifices in the past. And there are definitely other reasons like that or other decisions like that that Haga has made that have led to this. Um, but I think there's also a lot of board inefficiency. I think there's also a lot of you hired this guy who had done a very clear job at a previous club and you wanted him to do that job at this club. A, if that's not the situation that you're in, why did you hire him? And B, if that is the situation you're in, what has prevented you from creating the environment that allowed him to implement exactly what got him to get that IX team there? Because yes, he's faced a number of challenges that he's had to navigate, but maybe he shouldn't have had to face as many challenges as he has, given the environment. Like I think, I think coaching United is harder than coaching many other Premier League clubs, and I think that that is the biggest problem that you want to solve, even if Ten Hag has listen. To go.
1: I am by no means saying he is primarily at fault for the condition of the club. Absolutely, I'm not.
0: not. Yeah, I'm not saying this in disagreement with you. To be clear, I'm just adding yeah. to your point.
1: Um, there's there's definitely clearly dysfunction that is out of his control. However, things like you know repeatedly being linked to players like Arnautovic and Rabiot, um, selection decisions like consistently playing McTominay, consistently. Playing Casemiro consistently, playing Anthony. Um, I've sought
0: the. He has dropped Anthony I've, this week. He, he has. For...
1: Anthony looks like maybe a little. It's it's things have changed. Um, took a long time. I mean, I also think this season he's been a lot worse, and it's just different. Um, but anyway, that's not my point. We're getting de- derailed. My point is. I think he's made his bed to a certain extent. I don't think this is all just dysfunction. Like, he's got tools. He's like, why is Mason Mount not playing? I, I don't see a good reason. And I don't want to turn this into us just like lamenting the things we disagree with him about. But I, 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 I look to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I, I don't see it. Like, I don't, I don't see it. And when I stop seeing the path... That's when I start asking these questions, and I, I do think I have started asking these questions. That's not to say that I, I think he's you know, out the door now and I'm, you know, I'm going to be outside the stadium with a sign, but I've lost a lot of confidence.
0: Yeah. We were talking about this before we got on the pod and talking about how early in the season we were still quite optimistic about United in spite of the losses to Spurs and Arsenal, and I think there's definitely been a downturn, particularly, I'd say, since the Brighton game in how we both perceive the performances and results and decisions being made by this team. Um, And that makes it a lot more difficult, I think, um, to record about them. I think a big thing that's really noticeable in the discourse around football or any sport is obviously it's emotionally driven, right? Right. When you're winning matches, you're going to have a lot of people who come out and go, Yeah, we're amazing. Why don't you think we're amazing? Um, you know, you have all these big papers right now trying to incite some level of um, that response from, a, from the United fan base by going, United are the informed team. They've won four of their five last Premier League matches. Um, and then when they lose, you're going to go, Oh, it's awful. You know, I don't understand anything. We don't have tactics. I think that was a big one that was leveled at like, you know, Solskjaer. And I think while United were undercoached, I think saying we don't have tactics is just obviously not like ever a true statement. Like you never send out players and just go like play. Um <laughs> uh, but I think ultimately I will I will, I will say this. I will say this,
1: Aaron. This is not about Soulstar. I do think there would be a certain level of surprise. At how little instruction some managers give their players, even at the uh, highest yeah, level of sure. the game, that this—that is not a comment about All Gunner Soulstar. I just mean that in general, I think people would be surprised how uh, that, certain managers yeah. get along without, you know, rigorous tactical instruction. But go ahead.
0: Well, like anything else, right? You, no matter how small the discrepancy is between the best and the worst coaches, um, the. Minor differences in what these coaches are doing is going to lead to big margins. Because if one coach is 1% better than another coach, that 1% in a Premier League season is a massive sway in, you know, you can win the title by 1%. Um, And so that 1% is huge. Um, And so when you have coaches that have a lot of ideas and you have coaches that have not as many ideas, the coaches that have not as many ideas are going to be worse than the coaches that have a lot of ideas that work, right? That's just how it goes. Um, But I think what I'm trying to get at is it becomes very difficult for us to say, you know, I understand what he's doing without it sounding like I endorse what he's doing, which are two very different things. I think a lot of what we've tried to do this season is explain what United are doing. um, And I think we're at a firm point now where we're both saying we disagree with what United are doing, but we're trying to rationalize it and understand it. Um, And then from there, we can still choose to disagree, and we can still choose to say, you know, I understand what Ten Hag has tried here, but I don't think it's working, and I think it's time to try a new coach. But it doesn't have to be as extreme as, you know, I understand, and I'm all in, and I like every decision that's being made, and it doesn't have to be as bad as, I don't get what he's doing, United don't have tactics, it's time for Ten Hag to go, and, you know, the next new coach in is going to be the guy. I don't think either of those things are true, I don't think either of those things are almost ever true. And I think it's very easy, A, the way sports is talked about, and B, the way the app that we are both known for conducting ourselves on is designed to be increasingly polarized towards those two extremes when I think we're trying really hard to have a nuanced stance that's in the middle of those things. Yeah. Yeah, well put. Shall we wrap this up in terms of the football side? The last part of this is really talking about the results. I mean we've we've spoken a fair bit about the Champions League. One win could be enough to go through to the knockout stages. And I think likely would be. I don't think a draw between Gala and Copenhagen is that it's ridiculous. Not outrageous. Because we just have to go like with this solid...
1: That's ridiculous. That's like actually <laughs> ridiculous.
0: Um but I think for safety's sake, I would say that um you need to You need to draw iron. United lost in Denmark, right, to Copenhagen. Right. So they would, or does away goals not matter anymore? So never mind. Um, so yeah, you need to you need to go beat Galatasaray, and I'd say you need to at least draw with Bayern to have a good chance of getting out of this group. Um, I think you still have a non-zero chance if you just beat Galatasaray. But I, th- I, mean, I think you, still al- have you also have a non-zero
1: chance. That's crazy.
0: You also have a non-zero chance if you like draw with Galatasaray and beat Bayern. But ultimately, you're going to want to win out, or you're going to want to win and then get a drop Bayern, or, or against Bayern. Um And yeah, and then in the Premier League, you are a couple points off top four after 12 matches going into the Christmas period. Um, it's not great, but it's not really showing up on the results board how United have been playing at this point. Yeah, that's true. Um, you're out of the League Cup, but you lost to Newcastle, so... I don't really think that's an insane outcome either. I, obviously, the nature the of the way it loss happened was was insane. worse. <laughs> yeah. Um. But if someone looked at the season and the results, there would be a couple signs that United are playing really poorly. And if they were data people and they looked at the statistics, there would be a lot of signs. But I think, by and large, United haven't paid as much for the football that they're playing as they could pay if they continue to play less so the way they did against Luton and Copenhagen, but more so the way they did in the two or three matches before that. It's
1: an amusing statement, right? Because we've just gotten done finished saying that gotten, gotten done finished saying gotten, gotten (laughs) done saying gotten, we've just gotten done saying that we think they've been unlucky, but we're also simultaneously saying that the, the, how poorly they've played has not shown up on the score on the, the table which is interesting. Um, How do you reconcile those two? How how do we reconcile those two, I should say?
0: There's some expected goals discrepancy, um, but I think the the bigger thing is that United, a lot of people make a lot of the margin of the wins that United have been having. They have won every single game they've won by one goal this season um, in the league. And they, yeah, not great. And they have lost games by multiple goals. Um, And the way that bears out when you use metrics like expected goal difference is those metrics don't discriminate by match. They just take every match as they come, Um, which is really troubling to interpret when teams are erratic, like United have been, when they're good in some games and they're awful in some games. Um, And so what you're looking at is, a scenario in which I think United have converted a lot of games into wins relative to the margin at which they're outplaying the opposition. Again, you don't have this binary state where United were either better than the opposition or worse than the opposition. It's a scale. How much better were United than the opposition? And overall, I think you'd say that in most of these games, they've been, they've been better than the teams they've played but the margin by which they're outplaying them is nowhere near the margin by which teams like City, Arsenal, and Chelsea... No, not Chelsea. What am I saying? City, Arsenal, Chelsea's and Liverpool, been smoking
1: teams, though. Like, just, they have, to some yeah. extent.
0: Um, but they're more controversial, so I'm going to yeah. go with the cleaner examples. City and Arsenal, the way they've been outplaying teams, um, United are not outplaying teams by that margin, and so they're not giving themselves as good probabilities. And so for them to go and basically win out against the bottom half of the Premier League in this run... Um, across, what, five or six games now, is quite fortunate. The part that's unfortunate is, you know, regardless of whether you think the coaching staff is implementing training regimes that are leading to more injuries, it's possible. Um, We don't see into that. But I think they've still been somewhat unfortunate with injuries. A lot of players arrived with injuries. A lot of players got, you know, contact injuries, which are not particularly directly controlled by training regimes and um that's not to say they don't have an influence but they're not you know if a player goes and snaps another player's leg that's not because of what happened in training directly um the leg might be weakened by training but it didn't cause the snap um they've been unlucky with injuries and absentees and they have been i'd say unlucky with officiating decisions they've had one penalty this season, I think they've conceded six. six, we said. Six across all comps. Most of those from incidents that I think were very controllable. Some of those from incidents that were definitely the fault of the United player, but don't always get given as penalties. And I think there have been many scenarios where United have had similar situations and they did not get the penalty. In the opposition um, box, you mean? In the opposition box. And... That's not to go and say there's a controversy. This stuff happens in football. This happens to teams. But those are sources of, um, A, they're sources of unfortunate events that don't show up in the data because you don't go, oh, a player's injured, so you, um," when you you interpret the XG, right, you don't go, oh, these are the penalties we didn't get. Like, you don't, there's no stat that's like penalties you didn't get. Um And it adds like 3.5 XG for the five penalties United should have had this season to make it even, right? And there's no stat that goes, um, you know, XG per player injured or something. Like, these are things that don't show up in the data. So yeah, United are what, 10th or 11th in expected goal difference. I think they've been the 10th or 11th best team in the Premier League on performances. Um, I think they could have been the, you know, 8th or 7th best team with some of this. Stuff going in their favor, and I think if you had everyone fit, you'd argue that maybe they'd be even higher than that um, and so it's possible it for them to both up. have been lucky with the results to have them sixth when they haven't been performing like the sixth best team in the league, and also be unlucky in that some of these things have conspired against them. I know it's a bit of a paradox, but yeah, both can be true no
1: nope. agree. agree It's because
0: of the large umbrella of these terms
1: yeah
0: okay, all right, so where does that leave you? Do you think that like at this point? You know, if you had set the goal of be relatively competitive in the cups, um compete hopefully successfully for top four in the league, do you think United are still within a reasonable chance of doing that? Or is it just really hard to say at this like, point? Like somehow yes. Somehow yes. Despite what's really just been a
1: horrid couple of months. A good yeah. season is still within grasp, which seems ridiculous. I'm not. Like, I'm not. Even, I've. I. am not i am not i have i will be honest. I don't have a lot of hope left for it, but it's still not even not simply mathematically possible. Like not completely improbable, which is. Uh, I don't know what to make of it. It's fortunate, um, in my opinion, but we'll see. I. Yeah, the selection. The sele- The selection choices need to change for for me, in my opinion. Um,
0: well, that's the thing. We we have strong opinions about what the selection should be. Um, I think we could very easily argue that, you know, next game, United go make the right decisions and suddenly they can be competitive again. Um, but it's not really that simple as we've outlined today. And A, we're, we don't necessarily have confidence those decisions will be made. B, it's not really clear that those decisions will fix everything. They won't. Um, or will fix a lot they won't won't fix fix,
1: everything they certainly won't fix everything they won't they'll make a difference but they won't change who the team is completely because honestly I think there are very big tactical problems that need to be changed like approach needs to be changed that's where we're at yeah alright shall we do a unless you have anything else shall we do a quick no details since we've been gone so long
0: yeah let's do no details um gosh I'm going to get I'm going to get you to come up with this because the no details of my life recently has been <laughs> no not great details. <laughs> okay. No details. This is the segment
1: of the podcast where you can ask us any question, the one caveat being the question cannot be about football. Um Okay. I've got I've got some I've got a couple ideas uh bouncing around here. First off, you got any you got any music wrecks? It's been, it's been a month since we've done a podcast. Any, any music wrecks? What
0: have you been listening to? Oh, that's a good one. Um, right now, I'm going through the Album of the Year nominations for the Grammys. Um, I haven't, I, I don't really care who wins the Grammys, but I often find it just introduces me to artists that I haven't really listened to prior to that, so I often look through the nominations for songs. Um, I've been through three of the albums that are nominated for album of the year. Um, John Batiste, Boy Genius, and Miley Cyrus. And I mean, they all had things that I liked, but I wouldn't really be like, go listen to this immediately about any of them. Um, I really, I started listening to, I don't know if you ever heard of Remy Wolf. Yeah. but Paramore did like a remake album um, of their recent album with a bunch of featured artists. Um, it's a pretty interesting one. They got, like, Foles, um... That's cool. Fun fact about Foles for any Devils in the Details listeners. Um, our theme music is made by Jacob Connor. He's a music producer. Um, and when he was making our theme song, he said that he wanted it to sound like something Foles would do. So if you like our theme music, (laughs) go listen to Foles, I guess. Yeah. Um, but... And, and Jacob did a great job with it, so I awesome. mean, I, I I actually think it's quite true. It's the best part um, of the
1: podcast, probably.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, and I mean, Paramore did a track with Remy Wolf, and I'd already heard Remy Wolf doing a track with Dominic Fike, and so I liked both, and that, so I was like, I'm going to go listen to Remy-, Remy Wolf, and I listened to her album from 2021. It's called Juno, and it's it bang, is I awesome. It's a yeah. really good album. Um, so that's probably the best music I've listened to over the past few weeks, or the best new music. I'll, I'll give you one more. My dad is a massive fan of the Eagles. Uh, awesome. And he's been trying to see them for, like, 20 years, um, and they're doing their, like, farewell tour, um, and I managed to get into the presale for their Toronto show, so I got tickets to see the Eagles. Does he know? Um, yeah, he knows, nice. he knows. And they're being opened for by um, Steely Dan. Cool. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not terribly well-versed in the music of either, which is my next project in terms of listening to music. Um, get familiar with both of their discographies. So I've been listening to the Hotel California album a fair bit. It's it's obviously great. Like, they're just such good musicians that they could play anything, and it would probably sound really good. Um, and... Yeah, so I'm going to go see the Eagles later in 2024, which is going to be really cool.
1: That's cool. Yeah, I, uh, I'm actually a pretty big Eagles fan. There's, they've got a lot of great music. I can send you some some song wrecks, but really, you can't really go wrong. Um, that's exciting. Yeah, live music is amazing. I got to see, I mean, did I say this? Oh, yeah. uh, have we had a podcast since? I saw Little Sims Live. She's one of my favorite. Yeah, artists. how was it? You told it me. It was that. awesome, dude. It was
0: You also saw Arctic monkeys I saw the Arctic Monkey I think we
1: did talk about that, but I saw Little Sims more recently. Um and she's awesome. Like she's a great performer. It was it was really, really cool. She didn't play two of my favorite songs of hers, which was a bit of a letdown. But um, you know, that happens, right? Like it, it is what it is. Yeah. Um But yeah, so that was cool in terms of live music. What I've been listening to, um, recently, I've I've kind of, you know, I I used to be really into hip hop, rap. That was like the majority of what I listened to. Probably four years ago, I moved away and like didn't was listening to far far less of it. The last like month, I've just like totally come back to it and found a bunch of stuff that I've missed in the in the intervening time. Uh, So I've been listening to a lot of. Baby Keem, uh, he put out an album, I think it was last year, okay. the Melodic
0: Blue. That's awesome. Um, I might check that out. I think I've heard about yeah, it. Yeah, he's,
1: he's, he's pretty big. He's got, you know, his cousin is Kendrick Lamar. So, um,
0: right, yeah. <laughs> uh, That's why I've heard yeah. of it. <laughs> uh,
1: so they've got, a, they've got songs together. Um, yeah, I've also been listening to Kendrick Lamar's album from last year that I liked when it first came out, but now I'm like really, really getting back into it. Um, enjoying it a lot. My
0: worst confession about music is that I've never dug into Kendrick's discography. That's crazy. I think you would really, in particular,
1: I think you like to pimp
0: a butterfly. I'm 100% sure I'd really like it, including to pimp a butterfly, but I just always feel like it deserves more attention that I'm willing to give to the music I listen to when I'm listening. Like, I always need something while I'm, like, cleaning up or, like, watching TV. Or not watching TV, sorry. (laughs) Um, While I'm cleaning up or, like, doing work. Whereas I think with Kendrick, I want to like sit in a room and just like put the album on and listen to it. And I've just never done that. So maybe next time I'm on a bus ride, I'll put on my brother was saying the same thing. He's like, your favorite will be to pimp a butterfly. So maybe next time I'm on a bus, I'll put on to pimp a butterfly. But yeah,
1: no, I think definitely your favorite will be to to pimp a butterfly. My favorite is good kid, mad city. Um, just because it has like incredible re-listen value for me. Like I, I can just like anytime pop it back on. Um, but To Pimp a Butterfly is definitely, like, you know, his seminal work. Um, and I think it'll yeah. be right up your alley. Um, so, yeah, that's most of what I've been listening to. Also, Joy Crooks. You should listen to Joy Crooks. She's awesome. Um, Googling this. She's, uh... I, I, she is British. I'm quite confident she's British. Yeah,
0: British, Irish, Bangladeshi. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Um, she's got some awesome music. Oh, it's this like looks awesome. <laughs> um amazing 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 like i've just been so into it uh couple songs i've been listening to in particular um let's see trouble hurts uh when you were mine and then also she has a she did a cover of a kendrick lamar song uh, or two kendrick lamar songs okay
0: maybe.
1: um yeah Really, really this good. looks awesome yeah
0: I'm gonna go listen to yeah. this <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, I'm, got to go, I'm gonna go back to Remy wolf though now too because i haven't listened to that album i think it was it's a 2021 album right so it's been two years yeah it's so great yeah.
0: i was blown away um yeah it's also definitely my type of thing so I mean I don't necessarily think everyone would really like it um it's definitely more about like the instrumentation than like specifically her vocal tracks um there are some tracks where she really sings out but like a lot of it is just really cool musical ideas. Um, yeah, I, I definitely highly recommend it. I'll, I'll give you two more things. Um, I saw Ray in concert two or three weeks ago. I don't know if you ever heard of Ray. Mm-hmm. I don't think um, you
1: mentioned it. No. no,
0: Ray's a British artist. This was before I got sick, actually, so it was more than two or three weeks ago. It was probably like five weeks at this point. Um, yeah. Hard to really explain, but she's been writing for massive artists like, she wrote the first song on Renaissance by Beyonce okay. and like a bunch of other really, really big writing credits. Uh, but the labels never wanted to release her music. So eventually she just walked and went independent. Um, and she kind of has like an, it's sort of got like modern hip hop elements, but it's largely like done as blues or like old style R and B. Cool. Uh, like there's just a ton of different influences Um, and yeah, her music production is really, really great. So I managed to get into the presale for her concert and I just bought tickets and went and she was awesome live. Like her music is definitely a lot more, um, out there than a typical, I think mainstream label artist, which both in terms of the lyrics and the style of production, which is why I think a lot of mainstream labels didn't release her music. Um, there's definitely probably a lot of other things at play, so I wouldn't go like too deep into the subject on here. But yeah, I she's really good. Her recent album is really good. So I I was actually surprised it didn't get Grammy suggestions because she's charting really well right now. So like I Ray, how one do you spell of the songs it? on the album R A Y E. Yeah, one of her songs got really big on TikTok this year or last year. And yeah, I'm I bet you have. I don't use TikTok, so I knew it because I heard it from. I found her music on Spotify. I do have
1: a song of hers saved on, on Spotify, so I'm thinking that's probably the one. Yeah, it's got yeah. 630... It's definitely the one. It's got 630. Yeah, escapism. Five, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Um, her Tiny Desk is also great. I've been watching Tiny Desks lately, so this is the last thing I'll say. Ray's Tiny Desk is really great, but recently, Niall Rogers and Sheik did a Tiny Desk, and it's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. They played every song that ever existed. Like, it's... <laughs> it's so good like i a i didn't realize that all of these songs came from nile rogers and chic i mean i should have because he wrote for tons of massive artists as well as playing in his own band um and b they mixed them with like tons of iconic hip-hop bass lines and like he did stuff with daft punk so a bunch of daft yeah, punk i was gonna say um i love daft punk i really like i'm a huge Yeah, I really... Random Access Memories in particular is like an album I really, really like. That's cool. Um, I I didn't know that. I wouldn't have guessed that either. So.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so... He just had this amazing session band with him, and obviously with Chic as well, and they just did the... They did a half-hour Tiny Desk, and it's amazing. It's so good. So, Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out. I haven't gone down a
1: a rabbit hole with uh, Tiny Desks in a while, so I'll have to do that.
0: Oh, it's big, yeah. I mean... You would really like oh, I've seen, I, really No, I've, I've seen I I've I've
1: seen dude I've I've <laughs> gone down Tiny Desk rabbit holes before. It's just been a minute since just I've Just not recently. It, yeah. Um yeah, Stromae is amazing. Uh Ghana has like an like is my personal favorite. His is like so 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 cool. Um I would yeah. definitely recommend watching that yeah. one. Um Oh, one last music wreck that I have before I think we've co- I think we've done <laughs> enough here. I think we've got we've spoken enough. Um if you only listen to one thing that I've ever recommended, listen to... Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, this is a, Listen to Sum" by Priya Ragu. Uh, so oh, you for, sent this I to me. I did send it to you. Did you listen?
0: I did, yeah. dude. The, it's an album, It's right? an album.
1: I am in yeah, love with this album. Like, I'm just listening to... I was listening to it, like, on repeat for, like, two weeks, and then I had to stop to just, like, give myself a rest, but I'm going to come back to it now, because I almost forgot. Um
0: it's really really good. Like it, it's at at the absolute least you'll appreciate that it's unique.
1: It's su- yeah, it's super I unique. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um yeah. Okay, I won't spoil it too That's much great. it's super worth listening to.
0: In place of the starting 11 that we think United should play that they're never going to play, we gave you a starting 11 of music yeah. that you need to listen to, audience. So yeah, I yeah, hope you appreciate us being back with the podcast, um, and I hope you understand that, you know, my voice didn't sound like this a week ago, and it would not have been enjoyable to listen to, um, and I hope this was enjoyable to listen to, even though United have been, um, hey, actually, no, the most informed team in the Premier League, apparently, with four <laughs> wins in their last crazy. five, so you should be grateful <laughs> <Yeah. Four
1: laughs> the for the Premier
0: League's form team.
1: <laughs> Jeez.
0: All right, man. With a plus one goal difference. (laughs) (laughs) Because they won four games by one goal and lost the fifth (laughs) 3-0. It's a mess. It's a mess. (laughs) All right. It's called a week. Um, Hopefully we're back next week and I haven't fallen terribly sick again. And, yeah, stay tuned, everyone, and enjoy the international break. I know I will. Hope you enjoyed this week's Devils in the Details. You can follow us at Devil's ITD Pod on Twitter or on a variety of streaming platforms. Our awesome theme music was made by Jacob Connor. You can find at Jacob J. Connor on Twitter. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.